You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. You know, it's a little odd doing church like this. This seems to be kind of like the new normal that we are embracing in this season, so I'm glad that you would tune in. This is what we know is that God can work in any and every situation, that like distance is no problem for Him, so we believe that God's Word is alive and life-transforming, and as we come together... Uh, getting into God's word, declaring the truth of his word, that miracles happen. And so that's what we're believing for you, for your family, as you're uh, tuning in with us this morning. I would like to mention, um, as we are continuing to do ministry, like the church hasn't stopped, the church ministry continues as we are trying to serve our community in this time and in this season with the present circumstances. So I would encourage you to continue to honor God, support the work and the mission of Grace Covenant, um, you can give online through Pushpay. You can this week drop your tithe check by. All of that uh, really empowers us. It resources us to continue to be able to carry forth the ministry that God's called us here uh, to right, uh, right here in the Lake Norman community. And so I would encourage you to continue to partner with us. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, look with me uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. As we are uh, in this season, we are certainly navigating some unprecedented times like if you would have told me or if I would have told you like three or four weeks ago that we would be experiencing such times as this we would have probably all laughed and said well that's that's not even possible but now we find ourselves in a crisis that has both um, challenged us and really changed the way that we're processing life I was recently reading a post by Leighton Ford that said these words. I thought it was interesting. He says, three weeks ago when we heard the word corona, we thought of beer. And when we heard about hand sanitizer, we thought it was only necessary when we went to the hospital. But now we're inundated with information as it relates to corona being the virus and consistently using hand sanitizer to stay healthy. Like, who would have ever thought there would have been a, a run on toilet paper, like people hoarding toilet paper? I heard a story just this past week where actually someone was guarding toilet paper in a store while they were on the phone trying to find out if someone needed like this last package of toilet paper that was was on the shelf. Like who would have ever thought that we would not be able to gather physically uh, in a building to worship, that we would have to be isolated in this time because of the present reality like who would have ever thought that the restaurants in the area would be closed? But again, that's what we're experiencing today. And so before I, I jump into the message this morning, I want to share with you just a few things that we're doing here at Grace Covenant to um, be a solution, to be really the hands of Jesus to our community in this time, as well as uh, working to keep everyone healthy and safe. Because we want to be full of faith, but we also want to be informed and wise. So what we've done For the end of the month, we've closed all activities here at the church. And because this situation is changing on a daily basis, uh, we'll keep you informed as to how we're moving forward as we get into the month of April. But presently, for now, everything here at the church is closed. Uh, We have activated a plan to stay in touch with our seniors, uh, the elderly who would be a part of our congregation. We're making sure that they're encouraged, that they're prayed for, that they have their present needs met. So that's happening on an ongoing basis. We're also partnering with several organizations providing lunches for children um, who would be out of school now who really need that uh, lunch that they were getting every day. So we're delivering lunches actually through the Neighborhood Care Center. That's our partner 
Interesting, on Tuesday they delivered 66 lunches. On Wednesday they delivered 100 lunches. On Thursday it was 150. On Friday the number climbed to 200 lunches. So we are serving those in our community. Also there's grocery distribution that's happening. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you can drop off the identified items that we have on our website. Just go to gracecovenant.org. You'll be able to find a list of the items that we're collecting so that we can provide these lunches and so that we can be distributing groceries to individuals uh, throughout the communities that God's called us to serve in. Also, I would want you to know that our Grace Kids pastors, our student pastors are doing a phenomenal job in this time. They're providing all kinds of ministry resources online for your children, for your teens. So parents, please be informed of that. Take advantage of that. We want to encourage and bless your children and students as we're navigating this season. And we don't want to obviously overwhelm you with information. It's like there's so much information that's flowing right now. But we are utilizing um, social media to bring words of encouragement, words of direction, pertinent information. So uh, please stay connected. And as we navigate this time, we will, as best we can, keep you informed. And also, if you have questions or if there's a point of need, um, Please let us know. We want to try to serve you, your family, in any way we can. So if something arises, you can contact the church either by calling the church office or you can email the church and we'll be responding to that, to that need that you might have. But one of the realizations that I've come to in this time, um, as we're all navigating the situation, is the frailty of humanity and our great need of God. I think if anything, this is so revealed, our desperate need for God as we're navigating life. We need God's guidance, we need God's intervention, and we need God's peace. As I've said throughout this crisis, we want to stay informed, we want to be wise, but we also want to be uh, full of faith. We, we don't want to give in to fear, we don't want to give in to panic. We want to keep our focus on Jesus and look for opportunities in this to um, actually be Jesus to others, to serve others. But as we, as we come to times and situations that are beyond our ability to resolve, we must not forget that we serve a God who's able. He's not the great I was, he is the great I am. You know, he's the God who, who spoke the world into existence. Uh, he created like everything out of nothing. He's, he's the God who parted the Red Sea so the children of Israel could, um, cross and be free from the threat of Pharaoh's army. He's the God who brought down the walls of Jericho at the blast of, of the trumpets. He's the God who enabled David the shepherd boy to, to slay the, um, the giant Goliath. He's, he's the God that closed the lion's mouths as Daniel was in the lion's den. He's the God who, who loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die a gruesome death on the cross that you and I might have both a, abundant life and eternal life. Interesting, he's the God in the Old Testament who's revealed as Jehovah Rapha, the, the God who heals. He's revealed as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He's revealed as Jehovah Shalom, the God who brings peace for our lives. That's the God we serve. In Psalm 46.1, the scripture says that our God is a rock and a refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. So as we're in this troubling time, may we remember that God is both innocent for us. Like he is our ever-present help. It doesn't mean that we don't deny the reality of what we're facing or that we don't stay informed, but it does mean that we should interpret the times that we're navigating through through the, through the lens of who God is and what God's done for us. 
So God is loving, God is good, God is able, and he is the God of the miraculous. You know, the interesting thing about miracles is, is everyone wants to experience a miracle, but like no one wants to be in a situation that necessitates a miracle. Like usually we don't need a miracle unless we're in a crisis. We don't need a miracle unless we need like some kind of divine intervention in our lives. But that's where we find ourselves today. What do we need today in our community, in our nation, is we need God's intervention. We need his power revealed here in our community. We need what Jesus did in John chapter 6 to happen again today. So as Jesus as we find Jesus in this passage of scripture, he, he took an impossible situation and he turned it into a miraculous moment. And as we're going to see in the story we're looking at, I said John 5 earlier, it's actually John 6. Jesus took this situation like where there was not enough and he made it more than enough. He took a situation that the disciples were overwhelmed with and in that situation, he revealed his power and his provision. And as we read this story this morning, I want you to think about our present situation and what we're facing. Because I think there's several parallels in this story um, that are pertinent to what we're facing today. But before I read the text this morning, let me just give you the setting for what's happening here. Jesus has just received the word that uh, John the Baptist has been beheaded. And there's this grief, there's this sorrow, so he's retreating with the disciples to a place where they can just have some time, where they can uh, get some rest, where they can have some solitude. And it would seem that the crowd knew where they were going because the crowd actually gets there as they arrive. And so they find themselves in the dilemma. They were seeking solitude and rest, yet they have this pressing need that's before them. And it's this that that presents a challenge um, that Jesus actually steps into, a challenge that reveals both his deity and his divine power. So as you look to the scripture, John chapter 6, I want to read the first 13 verses this morning. Sometime later, after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So within this story, we have the miracle of the multiplication revealing Jesus' power, but we also have Jesus moving in action 
meeting people at their point of need rather than sending the people away because that's what the disciples wanted to do. They saw the pressing need and they said, hey, Jesus, let's just send the people away. But Jesus refused to send the people away. He saw an opportunity and a resting to meet the people at their point of need. And as I was reading this miraculous story recently in light of our present reality, I saw several parallels recorded in John 6 to what we're facing today. Now, I think it's interesting that we have this story that was recorded over 2,000 years ago that has so many similarities to this present crisis that we're navigating. So so let me share with you really quick just a, a few of those parallels. First is this. The people were looking for answers and intervention. You know, as we're navigating this, this difficult situation on, on many different levels, people are seeking inter- intervention. Obviously, as God's people, we're, we're praying. I don't know about you, but I've been spending a lot of time in prayer seeking God's intervention in this present crisis. But it's not just seeking God. I mean, there's, there's government officials and a lot of agencies that are seeking intervention. There's the medical community that's, that's seeking intervention. You know, as, as, just as we are seeking intervention, so the crowd came to Jesus because what they wanted his intervention. If you look back to verse two, it says a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. They were actually coming because they wanted Jesus to intervene in their point of need, whatever it would have been. That's why they were pursuing Jesus. They would hoping, they were hoping that he would perform a miracle for them, that he would intervene in their personal crisis. Interesting. Here, here's a second parallel in this miraculous story is that the greater answer to the problem was present at hand. I think it's interesting that, that in verse 4, John mentions this. He kind of throws in, in this fact that there really doesn't seem to fit in the story. If you notice verse 4, he says that the Jewish Passover feast was near. So here we have John mentioning this fact, the Passover feast. And as we think of the Passover feast, obviously we're thinking about Jesus, the Passover lamb. I mean, they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover. We know that Jesus was the Passover lamb. Matter of fact, John said this of Jesus as he was first introducing him. He says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus was going to be celebrating the Passover with the disciples. But he was the Passover lamb. Like he was the one who was the son of God, who was without sin. He was the one who would give his life that we might have life. He he was present. So they had the greater answer to the problem right in front of them. And I think the same is true for us today. As we're presently navigating this crisis, what do we have? We have the greater answer to the problem. Like Jesus is present with us to guide us, to, to provide for us, to bring us peace. In the midst of all that we're navigating, may we not get so overwhelmed that we forget that Jesus is with us, the Passover lamb, the son of God. This is his promise to us that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Here's a third parallel in this story. We're facing a situation that we can't resolve on our own and a crisis that's ripe with opportunity. It's interesting in verse five that when Jesus looked up and he saw the crowd, Coming toward him. This is what he asked Philip. He says, Philip, where shall we find bread for for these people to eat? Or or where can we buy the bread? I think like Philip is baffled with this question. I mean, like if you had been there that day and you were one of the disciples and Jesus presented that question to you, you would have probably been squirming like I think Philip was. 
Like he looks out of this crowd of people and he realizes really quick, like we have a situation here that we can't resolve. But what Jesus saw is beyond the the situation, beyond being overwhelmed by the crowd, Jesus actually saw an opportunity. He saw that this situation was like ripe with opportunity. And again, I think this is just like what we're facing today. We have a situation that we're processing with this COVID-19 that's like bigger than what we can resolve on our own. Like Like we don't have the solution. Like I don't have the answer for this. But could it be... Could it be that this crisis that we're presently navigating is ripe with opportunity? It's it's an opportunity for us to bring hope and help for others. It's an opportunity for us to be a part of a a miracle that Jesus might want to do for someone else through our lives. I I think of the ministry that's happening like through the Neighborhood Care Center. I mean, as these lunches are being delivered, let me tell you what's happening. People are experiencing Jesus. Like there's, there's a miracle of love that's happening as people are, are receiving groceries, as groceries are being distributed, as people are being met at their point of need. What the miracle is happening, people are experiencing Jesus. Hey, we're facing a situation, folks, that we can't resolve on our own. But I believe it's a crisis that's ripe with opportunity that we can step into. Hey, here's a fourth parallel. We are limited in our human ability to solve this problem. If you notice Philip's response, verse 7, Philip answered him, like eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Like Philip realized that, that he and the disciples couldn't solve the problem. Like it was way beyond, way beyond what they had the ability or the resources uh, that they needed to address the needed hand. Like the problem were, the problem was too big and they were too limited. And I think we find ourselves again in a similar situation today with this COVID-19 problem. As, as we look at the present needed hand, like it's greater than our human ability. Like the problem is bigger than we can resolve on our own. And just as the disciples needed divine intervention, so we find ourselves in the same place today. And that brings us to a a fifth parallel that I I saw, again, as I was just recently reading this story. What we have might not seem to be enough. It's interesting in this story that Andrew had found a little boy, a little boy that had a sack lunch. Verse 9 reads like this. Andrew says, here's a boy with, notice how he emphasizes this, interesting in the text, with five small barley loaves. Notice he didn't. He didn't just say, well, we have five barley loaves. He says, we have five small barley loaves and we have two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Like Andrew, as I see it, had found the seed for the miracle. But it's like it certainly wasn't enough like to feed the whole crowd, like 5,000 plus people. As he looked at the little boy's lunch and then he, as he glanced up at the crowd, I think maybe he even thought, like, this is ridiculous to offer this. Like, this is like so little and the need is, is so great. Like, there's so many people and, and this is just like a, a sack lunch. Like, it's not enough. And possibly, possibly you're feeling the same today with the pressing need at hand. I mean, as we're navigating this crisis, I mean, there's some real challenges. I mean, like we have we have people whose whose hours have been cut or maybe they've lost employment because of the present crisis. And they're trying to figure out, like, like, how are we going to take this little and how is it going to be be enough? There's 
There's situations where where people need assistance with childcare because the schools have closed and they're processing that present need. There's there's people who need um, need groceries. They need all kinds of assistance. And we look at what little we have, and our first thought is, "Wow, God, this is not enough." Like, how can we? How can we? How can how can we respond to this present reality? It's, it's almost like we have a sack lunch and we need to feed 5,000 people. But what we discover is that the disciples took what they had and they put it in the hands of Jesus. And it was more than enough. And I believe that's the same miracle that Jesus can work through our lives, through this church, in this time. That he can take what we have, and it may seem like it's not enough. But he can make it more than enough. Why? Because our God is a God of the miraculous. So from this miracle of multiplication, what can we learn? What can we learn about turning a crisis into an opportunity? Because whether we like it or not, folks, that's the situation we find ourselves in today. A real crisis. But in the crisis, I believe, I believe this is an opportunity. So, so let me leave you with just, with just a few thoughts as to how we can leverage this time. The first is this. Don't be overwhelmed by how the situation looks. For the disciples, I think they were looking at this situation and, th- and they were thinking like, wow, we have so little to offer. And I think we can feel the same in our present reality. I mean, there's the concern of the spread of the virus. There's so many people with, with pressing needs. There's the challenge of businesses closing. There's a challenge of, of the financial impact. There's the challenge of social isolation. And the list goes on. And if we're not cautious and careful, we can allow ourselves to be so overwhelmed by our present reality that we miss the opportunity. So don't, don't be overwhelmed by how the situation looks on the outside. See, panic, panic leads to fear, and then fear leads to anxiety, and then anxiety robs us of peace. Interesting, the Apostle Paul, as he was in prison, a, a pretty stressful situation, wrote these words that, that should give us hope and should be helpful for us in this time of need. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Scripture says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in this, in this time, don't panic, pray. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution. And I believe the solution is Jesus. So, so don't be overwhelmed by how the situation looks on the outside, on the exterior. Here's a second way that we can turn a crisis into an opportunity. It's follow the direction of Jesus. It's interesting that in verse 10, Jesus tells the disciples, have the people seated on the grass. And so the disciples begin to organize the people so, so that 
so that Jesus can perform the miracles. So as they are following the direction of Jesus, they're actually a part of the miracle that Jesus performed. And I believe that we can experience the same today in our present crisis. As we follow the direction of Jesus, we can be a part of a miracle in someone else's life. Listen, you may not be able to solve the COVID-19 crisis, but you can bring help and hope for someone else as you simply follow the direction of Jesus. Listen, you may not have the miracle pill. I don't have the miracle pill that stops the spread of the virus. But what, what I can do, what you can do, is follow the direction of Jesus. So you can love others. You can find practical ways to express the love of Jesus in your circle of influence. Listen, that's simply following the direction of Jesus. What you can do is you can, you can serve others. You can gather some groceries and take them to a neighbor, or you can drop them off at the church and we're going to distribute them to people in need. So you can serve others. What is it? That's following the direction of Jesus. What you can do is you can encourage others. You can make a phone call like to an elderly person and share a word of encouragement with them and pray for them. Listen, what I know is that um, probably more than any other age demographic, listen, they are stressed. So you can encourage them. That's simply following the direction of Jesus. Listen, friends, miracles don't just happen when we believe God for big things. Miracles happen when we obey God in the little things. And when we do the little things like they're big things, God will do the big things like they're little things. So I encourage you, simply follow the direction of Jesus. Listen, step into what he has for you today. And who knows? Who knows what Jesus might do? Here's a third way that we see in this story that we can turn this crisis into an opportunity is look for opportunities to be a part of what Jesus is doing as you leverage what you have to be a blessing for others. And that's exactly what the little boy did as he gave his lunch. I mean, he simply saw an opportunity and he offered what he had. Now, this boy was probably like eight or nine. The scripture doesn't say. That's a, that's a bit of uh, just my thinking of how this story plays out. But I mean, think about this. Some of you watching this right now in the living room, sitting with your parents, like maybe you're that little boy that's eight, nine, or ten. I mean, this boy was your age as he was a part. He was a part of this miracle. And he was a part of the miracle simply because he gave what little he had. It was the seed. It was the seed for the miracle that Jesus was going to do. This one act of, of sacrificial giving was the catalyst that, uh, that set the stage for like the most American, uh, most amazing miracle that Jesus did. And it, as I see it, it was not like just one big miracle. It was actually 5,000 plus small miracles. It was a miracle that happened for each individual who participated, who shared in the lunch that Jesus brought about because the little boy gave his lunch. It was possible all because this little boy saw an opportunity, leveraged what he had in his hands, and it became the miracle for the crowd. And what we discover in this story is that God usually doesn't do the supernatural if we don't do the natural. I think the lesson embedded in this miracle is so simple. If you put what you have into God's hands, he can take a little and make it a lot. He can take a little and make it more than enough. So don't allow what you can't do. Hear me, friends. Don't allow what you can't do to keep you from what you can do. Again, God can take your little and make it more than enough. So, so don't look at your five small barley loaves. 
Or you're too small fish and say it's not enough. Who knows what God might do as you leverage your little and use it to be a blessing for others. In that, there might be the miracle. We also want to give thanks for the work of God that is on the horizon. You know, it's interesting that verse 11 says that Jesus took the little boy's lunch and he gave thanks. Now, as I see this playing out, as I kind of see this story in my own mind, Jesus holds up the five small barley loaves and the two small fish so everyone could see it. And he thanks God for what it is. Now, now we don't know, know exactly what Jesus said because it's not recorded. But I think it's interesting that Jesus thanks his father for something that he doesn't have and for something that hasn't happened yet. And out of his thanksgiving, the miracle of multiplication actually happens. Now, I don't know exactly how this present crisis is going to play out, but I do know that there is a great need. I do know that there is great concern. But in the crisis, what I would encourage you to do is to begin to give God thanks for what he's going to do. Give God thanks for his work that's on the horizon. In Psalm 100, verse three, uh, verse 4 and 5, the scripture says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. As we respond with gratitude and thanksgiving for God's work at hand, I believe it's going to open the way for his work. It's going to open the way for God's miraculous power to be revealed. And who knows, as you give God thanks for what he's yet to do, it might open the way for you to be a part of the miracle that he's going to do. Well, here's the final lesson I think we learn from this miracle about turning a crisis into an opportunity. It's this, don't waste the opportunity that's hidden in the crisis. In verse 12, Jesus says to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Get this, let nothing be wasted. Now, I understand that Jesus is talking about food here. He's directing the disciples to gather all of the leftovers from, from what the 5,000 people have eaten. The scripture says that they, they all ate too, they had their fill, and then there was food left over. So Jesus says, hey, let nothing be wasted. Now, out of that statement, let nothing be wasted, I want to play off of that statement and encourage you to not waste the opportunity at hand. I, I understand. Listen, I'm living in the same situation you are. I understand it's a stressful time. I understand that we're in a situation that we don't have a lot of answers to. I understand there's a lot of concern, but I also believe, friends, that there's an opportunity in the middle of this crisis. Don't waste the opportunity. See, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. In every opportunity, there's a crisis. And in this present crisis, I encourage you to seize the opportunity to put your faith to action. Look for that opportunity to express the love of Jesus in practical ways. Look for the opportunity to bring hope for those who might be overwhelmed by what they're presently processing through. Look for the opportunity to bring peace for those who might be in a state of panic. Look for the opportunity to leverage what you have in your hands, though it may seem to be small. Who knows what God might want to do through that? See, this is what I know. In this crisis, there's an opportunity for us to put our faith to work. So again, don't allow what you can't do 
to keep you from what you can do. As we step up, as we step out, I believe Jesus will do the miraculous in our lives and through our lives. So so let's live in such a way that opens the way for God to work miraculously through our lives in this time. What I know is that each of us, each of us can be like the little boy in the story. We can be the seed that God needs to do the miracle that only He can do. See, you and I can't do miracles. Only God can do miracles. But this is what I believe. You can be the seed. You can bring the little that you have and it's in that that God will multiply it. And it's in that that He'll do the miraculous as we put our faith and our trust in Him. So as we're in this time, as we're in this crisis, I want to pray with you and for you about the opportunity that God might want to bring your way even today. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You that You are the God of the miraculous. I thank You that, that, I thank you that You're the God who can take the little that we have and make it more than enough. I thank you that, I thank you that you're the God who takes ordinary folks like me, like the folks who are watching in their living room this morning, like that little boy, that little girl, the teenager sitting on the couch. God, that you use individuals, ordinary folks, to do extraordinary things through. And so, Lord, my prayer today, not only for myself, but for all of those watching, Lord, may we be willing to step into the miracle. May we be willing to be the seed that you would need to do something miraculous. May we be willing to see the opportunity in the crisis. And Lord, may we step up and step out in such of a way that you can do your greater work in and through our lives. Lord, I believe that what you did in John chapter 6, you're still doing today. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, here in the Lake Norman community, God, would you do it again? Would you do it again, Lord, as we simply offer ourselves to you? May you turn, Lord, this present crisis into a place of opportunity. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're up to. Lord, we may not see it clearly, God, but we believe, Lord, that greater days, that greater work is just on the horizon. So, Lord, even in this moment, we give you thanks for your work that's presently happening. And, Lord, we choose to move forward into what you have for us. We choose to move in expectation. And I pray these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, folks, this is what I know. God is greater than. So I'm going to invite you to join us in this next worship song as we proclaim the greatness of God. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.